All right. Good morning. Have we been to the throne today or what? Come on, give God some glory. Amen. I tell you what. I will be like David and say it was good to be in the house of the Lord today. I was kind of excited about chicken dumplings and I heard Laverne brought, yeah, honey, but it's better than that. Let me just tell you. Laverne bought a pecan pie. Okay. I mean, we're talking, but, but now that doesn't matter. We've already, we've already been fed richly. Amen. That's what worship will do for you. Great, great job. Thank you, team, so much. Thank you, Katie, for blessing our hearts so much. So what an interesting title. Hogjile Grace and the Holy Spirit. Dwayne, where are you going with that? Well, I'm a southern boy. And seasoning is very important to people from the south. And I, you know, I guess it is up here in southern Illinois. But I mean, really down south, it is. And, you know, for instance, take green beans. Okay, now you can go to the Kroger store and get you a can of green beans. Looks something like this. And y'all go, oh, yeah, those are green beans. And then you get your can opener and you turn the little thing. You open your can beans. You dump them in the pan. You heat them up. You might throw a little salt in. You might not. And then you go to the dinner table and we say those are green beans. But then now back up one there, Nancy. We missed the fresh green beans. Now we want to go to the next level. And the next level is fresh green beans. Now these is where people actually, either you raise them, or you buy them, or, or, or they bring them to you because you're the preacher, and they bring you green beans. And you snap them, and you get them all the right length, all that stuff, and you put them in the water, and you cook them, and we'll throw some salt in them. And those are step up. All of a sudden, we got fresh green beans. But then we get to the real point. And the real point is them southern seasoned green beans. Nancy, throw that picture up there. There you go. Y'all, yeah, yeah, y'all know, don't you? Some of y'all, some of y'all have been to the promised land. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Now, I understand that's not hog jowl in there. I could not find a picture but, of, of, of hog jowl. But you get either hog jowl, and by the way, that is the, the fatty part of the jaw of a hog, or you get you some fat back which I think probably is any chunk of meat that's got a little bit of meat and a lot of fat in it, or you can just throw in about 37 pieces of bacon. And then you put them things in with the green beans, and you just let them simmer. You let them cook, and you let them cook. And let me tell you something. When you put them suckers on the table, people break into a hallelujah fit. If you're from the South, I mean, you break into it. You know, I mean, it's like having church all over again. And you put them things in your mouth, and your mouth just explodes into the hallelujah course. Can I have a witness today? See, see, seasoning makes all the difference. Now, I know some of y'all say, Brother Dwayne, I just disagree with you. I'm totally happy with, from the valley of the jolly, ho, 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 green giant. I mean, Dwayne, I'm just fine with that. That's because, that's because you ain't tasted the real deal. And some of y'all say, well, I'm just real happy with the fresh green beans. Well, you've got to go to the next level. Because when you get there, you've arrived. Now, about now you're saying, so Dwayne, I know from the newsletter that we're talking about our mouths today. So, so what in the world does Hogjile and Grace and the Holy Spirit have to do with our mouths? Everything. Everything. Because you see, some of us... Our mouths, well, all of us, our mouths are like green beans. You know, some of us just kind of blurt out things. You know, someone said, I think this is about right, that when you turn 60, you can say what you want. 
And when you turn 70, you can say what you want, when you want. And when you turn 80, you can say what you want, when you want, to who you want. Well, a whole lot of believers apparently are 80 years old. Because we got the bad habit of just blurting out whatever we think we want to say, and somehow that's just okay. So we're kind of like those green beans with no seasoning. Now, some of us more cultured people, we have what we call filters. And our mama raised us not to say certain things. And if our mama failed, our wives jumped in. Now, Brother Dwayne or Dwayne, you shouldn't say that, honey. You shouldn't say that. So we kick in our filters. And that's kind of like the fresh green beans. But again, we shouldn't stop there either because we need something more. If we're going to have a, a surrendered mouth, we've got to have the whole job. We've got to have a little grace in our speech. We've got to have a lot of the Holy Spirit in our speech. And that's radical. So I know, I, I'm sitting there listening to this wonderful worship, and I'm going, boy, I wonder if this is really going to be a good takeoff. But it is. Because we don't understand the power of the words that we say, either for positive or for negative. And so this is a very important deal. But now here's the crazy part. The crazy part is, this isn't about our mouth at all. It's about our heart. See, if you've been watching the commercials recently, you see a guy in a car driving down the road. And he sees a road sign that says something about that pain in your arm is not a pain in your arm. See, if you have a strong pain in your left arm, that's a good indicator of a heart attack. If you're sitting there and you've got this pain creeping up into the side of your neck and to your jaw, that's an indicator of... And sometimes, if you've got indigestion, you haven't got indigestion, you've got heart problems. You see, the deal is, is that our mouth, when we have a mouth that's unseasoned by grace and by, and by the Holy Spirit, that's not a mouth problem. That's a heart problem. And see, the deal is, regardless of what it is in our lives, most of the time, you say, Dwayne, I have a given problem. You have a given problem. You've got a heart problem. Do I have a marriage problem? Chances are you don't have a marriage problem. You probably have a heart problem. I have, long, I have a hard time getting along with people. You don't have a relationship problem. You probably have a heart problem. See, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Here's what he said. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of his evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. In other words, when our mouth says things that we go, where did that come from? Or sometimes we don't care where it came from. What it's indicating is that there's a heart problem. Our mouth is like a calf. Our heart's like an EKG. Excuse me, our mouth is of what's going on inside our hearts. So therefore, we need to look really today... At the heart. And we've got four scriptures to look at today. And God's going to give us, you know, they tell you that there's two important things about heart health. You should eat right. You should exercise. You should eat right. And you should exercise. God's word gives us very, two very important things to help us with our heart, which will fix our mouths. The first thing is this. It's the Holy Spirit. The second thing is the word of God. 
And then we're going to look today and see how that ties in. Now, on your sermon sheet, we're going to go Scripture number 1, Scripture number 4, Scripture number 2, and Scripture number 3. I know that means nothing to you guys, but I wanted to let you know the sermon sheet's going to change orders just a little bit. Now, now what, is, what do I mean by the Holy Spirit? What do I mean by the Holy Spirit? Look at your Bibles. Take your Bibles. Look on the sermon on the screen here or look on the paper. And look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 through 20. And here's what the Word of God says. A very fami- the first part of this is very familiar. And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless actions. That's the, whole, uh, the Holman Christian standard. Don't get drunk with wine that leads to reckless actions. Now, you need to know just a little bit more than what you just read. The church at Ephesus was located in Ephesus, which was a part of the Roman Empire. And they had multiple gods. They had like zillions of gods that they would worship. And one of those was the god Bacchus. And Bacchus was the god of alcohol. In fact, alcohol uh, intoxication. So when they would worship Bacchus, part of their worship was, and really they thought they couldn't worship until they got blown out of their minds, drunk, and then they would go into the temple, and then they believed they could interpret the will of Bacchus under the influence of alcohol. So Paul is addressing, most likely, he's addressing, it's not just a teaching on drunkenness, rather it's saying this, that worship of Bacchus is a thing of the past. Leave your past in the past because it leads to reckless actions. Leave your past in the past. Leave your worship of your old God in the past because it won't fit your new God. Leave your worship of the old God in the past because it will lead you in a wrong path. Now I want you to just, and I don't think I'm violating the word of God at all by doing this. But what is your Bacchus? What is it in your life that you get intoxicated with that leads you to reckless actions? You know, if we want to be really way out there, we could call it, we could say pornography. Don't be drunk with pornography because it leads to reckless actions. Don't be drunk with lust because it leads to reckless actions. Don't be drunk with greed because it leads to reckless actions. All those things would work. What is it in your life? That you are drunk with. Don't be drunk with sports. Because it leads to reckless action. Don't be drunk with hobbies. Because it can lead. And to word drunk, of course, you're under the influence of. Don't, don't let those things so control you. Because they will lead to reckless actions. Particularly if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. How many marriages, though, saved or not, lost or not. How many marriages have been destroyed by lust? By pornography. Lost or not. How many marriages are weakened today because the husband is in the deer stand more than he's with his wife? I mean, over and over, we can point all of this there. But for our audience today, two particular warnings. Don't be drunk with religion because it leads to reckless acts. Don't even be drunk with church. Because, see, anything that you... And listen, 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 listen. You can put religion, you can put church, you can put all kind of things. Anything you put before God becomes your drunkenness and it leads to reckless actions. Again, that's why we can come to the house of God and we can listen to sermon after sermon after sermon, the teaching of the Word of God, and we walk out the same way we came in. Because the Word of God doesn't impact us. 
So Paul would say to us then, whatever your Bacchus is, whatever God you worship, and you are drunk on that God, watch out because it leads to reckless actions. That might be what's wrong with our mouths. Because instead of worshiping the one true God and letting His Word worm His way into our lives and our hearts, we've got our other gods. And our other gods tolerate and allow the misuse of our mouth. So don't be drunk with wine because it leads to reckless actions, but be filled with the Spirit. Paul says, leave your old God behind, whatever it is that you've got on the throne of your life, put that God aside and let the one true God, the the Creator God, the Holy Spirit God, be filling and controlling your life. This is big. Now, why this is so big, I I think I say this every time I teach on the Holy Spirit. We Baptists, there are just several things, you know. We make sure we don't have the Lord's Supper more often than once a quarter because we don't want to be confused with any other denomination that does it weekly. We are very careful about the Holy Spirit because we don't want to be accused of being charismatic. The Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. And when you were born again, if you were born again, you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that regenerative agent that comes in you and changes you and makes you a new creation. So the Holy Spirit is hugely important. And Paul says, don't let Bacchus, don't let sports, don't let religion, don't let church control you. Rather, as the same way alcohol influences a person, let God influence you. Let His Holy Spirit influence you in that way. This is huge. This is a game changer. Many of us in this room today or listening on the radio today, we go, this has not worked out like I thought. I just don't, I just don't feel what I thought I would feel once I became a believer. You've probably got some surrendering to do in your heart. And if you have a mouth problem... You probably have a heart problem. If you have a mouth problem, you probably got a heart problem. And that makes it more serious. Again, if I've got a pain in my arm, live with it, Dwayne. But what if that's an indicator of something wrong with my heart? How many hearts do we have? One. How many throne rooms do we have? One. 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 So Paul says, be filled. Now, just for clarity... When we read Acts chapter 2 and we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, when we have the, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the birth of the church at Pentecost, you know, that is not what being filled with the Spirit is in Ephesians. It's not even the same word. In the Greek language, they are two separate words. And this word for filled here, it is an imperative. It's in the imperative sense. But it means to yield. It means to, white flag, it means to surrender. It means to surrender to the Holy Spirit, His actions, His power, His wisdom in our lives. And when we surrender to the Holy Spirit and His wisdom and His power and His teachings, guess what it does? It changes us. And things we've wrestled with, like this, you don't know how hard this is for, some of you know how bad I mess up with my mouth. Now this is real hard for me to preach. Because it's a constant battle in my life, which means there's a constant battle in my heart going on. It's huge, guys. This is not about tongue. This is about our hearts and the battle for it. So he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And watch, when that happens, as a result of that will be four verbs. 
And verse 19 says this. Speaking. Now, speaking doesn't make you be filled with the Spirit. It's an indicator that you're filled with the Spirit. So, again, notice three verbs, one submission, but three verbal verbs. Look what it says. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, when you are filled with the Spirit, an indicator of that is your speech will line up with the Word of God. Does your speech line up with the Word of God? Does your speech sound like the Word of God? See, to me, this book is not bondage. This book is freedom. This book is beautiful. This book is encouraging. This book is correcting sometimes. So our, the Word of God, our tongue should parallel the Word of God. It should parallel what happens in the book should be coming out of our mouth. So when we speak, do we sound like, um, do we sound like psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? When we have the feeling of the Holy Spirit, it impacts our worship. Singing in our hearts, singing in our hearts, singing in our hearts to the Lord. Listen to this. When I kept silent, my bones grew old. Through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Salah, what do you think about that? Who wrote that? David. David, the musician. David, who, is, who wrote a book of the Psalms, which is the Jewish hymn book. Who wrote that beautiful Psalm 71 that we heard today. The singer no longer sang. And when did he stop singing? When his heart was bad. If there's not a song in our hearts, we've got to ask ourselves, why? Why is it that our vitality seems like the drought of summer? Why does my faith, why does my Christianity feel like a drought in summer And not a refreshing spring shower. It just could be that our heart has not been filled with the Spirit. Did we not hear from Jeremiah 17.9 last week? The heart is desperately wicked and who can know it? So it's important. This is huge. When we're filled with the Spirit, our worship will be authentic. It will not matter if there's drums and bands and all that. When we are singing these wonderful words of praise to the one Creator God, there should be a song in our hearts. Whether we agree with the rhythm or not, it's inconstant. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I will sing. I will sing and make music. From your heart to the Lord. I will give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If our mouth is constantly spilling out envy and jealousy. That's an indication of an unfilled heart. David, have we not said that if he never gave us anything else but our salvation, it would be enough? David, have we not said as a worship leader that if all there was was Calvary's cross and the resurrection and His grace in our lives, isn't that enough? Do we have to have more and more and more? Why isn't grace enough? Why isn't our salvation enough? 
Why are we jealous and envy of what others have so easily? Because we're not filled with the Spirit. Because our heart is filled with, with envy instead of the Holy Spirit. We need the seasoning of the Holy Spirit. We need it. And then he says, and again, we're going to use this in a couple of months, and I don't want to spend too much time on it, but submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. It's our relationships, but I'm sure it involves our mouths also. In words, you first. You first. You first. That's what it means to submit. To yield. As we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit, we are to yield ourselves to others. You go first. I love the fact that my Savior who had every right to be first in line, got at the end of the line. I am so grateful that my Savior took off his outer garment and put on a towel and gently washed the feet of the man who was fixing to deny him and the feet of the man who was fixing to betray him. He put himself last. Last. So we need the Holy Spirit. If we want our tongue to become what God wants it to be, we need to surrender our heart. And David, I think you said, oh, no, I've quoted you twice in one message. You know, we were talking about sexual purity, Brent. And this is where it ties in. Sexual purity is not about sexual purity. It's about surrender. It's about surrender. Our eyes are about surrender. Our ears are about surrender. Our hearts are about surrender. Our minds are about surrender. Our tongues are about surrender. I yield to the Holy Spirit. That's the first. But then he gives us another one. And this is when you need to jump across your sermon sheet to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 16 and 17. Here's what Paul says. Now, let me pause. I want you to take careful note of how similar these scriptures are. I mean, you can't miss it. Remember Ephesians chapter 5, and now go Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Let the word of Christ. So the first thing that helps our, fixes our heart, seasons our heart, is the Holy Spirit. And the second thing is the word of God. Let me just pause here. I think I hear something in this room, and it's telling me, Dwayne, you've stumbled onto something here. If the average Baptist is afraid of the Holy Spirit, and the only Bible the average Baptist gets is on Sunday morning or during Sunday school, and it's the Holy Spirit that empowers, and it's the Word of God empowers, is it any wonder we're not experiencing the victory that we sang about today? You have overcome? Could it be possible that we're not experiencing the overcoming power of Christ because we've not surrendered our hearts to His Spirit, nor surrendered our hearts to His Word? Listen once again. Listen to this. Jesus speaking. It is the Spirit who gives life. Think about filled with the Spirit. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits what? Nothing. Say it with me. Nothing. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are Spirit and they are life. They are alive and they are life. Let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly. I am telling you, my brothers and sisters, we do not, we underestimate and we do not understand the power of this book when it gets into our lives. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you. That word dwell in the Greek carries the idea of permanence. Every, virtually every summer, um, we go with Becca and Jonathan, my son-in-law and daughter, to Florida. And we go down there and we rent this house. And the house that we rent is nicer than anything we will ever own. I mean, they're nice and they're expensive. I go there and we stay seven days. I check in as early as I can and stay on Saturday to the point where I have to drive and go home and leave. But only one week. If I were to stay past that week, they would come and say, well, first off, somebody would knock on the door and say, excuse me, we paid the rent for the next week. The owner would come, the sheriff would come and say, this is not your home. It's yours for the week. When Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, he's not saying part of the time. He's saying all the time. Dwayne, not like you rent a house to stay in for a week, but like 217 West Poplar, where you live. And Paul says, let this word dwell in you all the time. Let let it become a part of you. I'm not sure what the culture is of how it is that we can hear the Word of God taught. We can read the Word of God. We can go to a class, a small group study, and hear the Word of God. But unless that Word of God becomes a part of us, it has no power. The power of the Word of God is when it becomes ingrained in us, when it dwells in us richly, when it comes a part of our DNA. I'm telling you, I'm going to eat dumplings today. Can I have an amen? Someone says it's going to be a short sermon. I say, I'm afraid to say because when I do it, don't. I'm going to eat dumplings. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to eat dumplings to the extent today that part of them will become a part of me. In other words, in two weeks, part of them dumplings are still going to be with me. Can I have a witness? It is so important the Word of God just doesn't pass in one ear and out the other. It has got to be ingrained in us. And that's when it changes our marriages. And that's when it changes our lives. And that's when it changes our tongue. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, in all understanding, in all meditation. And watch, watch. Teaching and admonishing one another, here it is, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. In other words, just like Ephesians chapter 5, the Word of God so changes us, so our speech becomes like the Word of God. Profitable, fruitful, not damaging, not hurtful. He goes on and says this, look, look at the parallel. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Exactly what Paul wrote to that church in Ephesus. Singing with grace, with graciousness unto the Lord. 
And whatever you do, in word or deed. And I thought my brother Charlie was teaching this morning. And he kind of touched on this. We have a very big tendency to believe we live in two worlds. The physical or secular realm and the spiritual realm. And we put on our spiritual garments when, when it's called for, like when we go to church. But then we check our spirituality at the door when we leave and put the secular back on. No, no, no. Paul says, whatever you do. Listen, listen, listen. For the believer in Jesus Christ, there are not two worlds. You don't talk one way at church and talk another way at work. You don't live one way at church and live another way in the world. Because of the transformation, the transforming power of Christ in our lives. We are changed and we have a unified world. We serve and love and experience God's grace here, but we carry it out the doors. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, whether the way you speak or the way you act. When you speak, you sound like Jesus. When you live, you act like Jesus. Whether you speak or whether you act. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks. Giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Guys, this is game changing. This is game changing. I know. For some of you, you're going to be 80 years old with your mouth forever. I'm going to say, what I want, when I want, who I want, I don't care. But some of you don't feel that way. Some of you are like your pastor. You go, man... God, I need help in this. Surrender your heart to the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of God dwell richly in you. Let it become ingrained in you. And I'm telling you, when your throne room has got the Holy Spirit on the throne, and when your mind and your heart is filled with the Word of God, it will be transforming. It will not be you doing it. It will be Him doing it. These are simply tools that He uses To bring transformation to our lives. Our sanctification. Now what does that look like? What does it look like when we are filled with the Spirit. And when we are filled with the Word of God. Well we find that at the bottom of the sermon sheet. In in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 through 31. Now again. This is Holman Christian standard. No foul language. Will you say that with me please? No foul language. Now, in our world, in our culture, foul language means the curse words. That is not what the Greek means here. It means anything that is harmful and anything that's unwholesome. Anything that's harmful, anything that's unwholesome. Let no harmful language, let no hurtful language is to come from your mouth. Well, Dwayne, I, I'm not there. Well, I told you I wrestle with it. You know, sometimes you, you love me or you hate me. Because I'm pretty human. But let me tell you what I've discovered. How many of y'all get the prayer call out? Yeah, a lot of y'all do. Cool. I, I get to listen to myself. Hi, this is Brother Wayne with a prayer request today. You have discovered, like I used it yesterday, there's a pause button. Because here I'm going, okay, I got to think, I think. Hello, this is Brother Dwayne. I'm calling with a couple of prayer requests today. Um, what's his name? What's his name? Uh, uh, hit, hi, this is Brother Dwayne. Sometimes like seven times. 
You know, you thought, you thought I was just like, no, like seven times sometimes. And the longer the list, the harder it gets. I discovered the pause button. Hi, this is Brother Dwayne. Pause. What's her name? Joe. Play. Hi. With a prayer request for Joe. It allows me to pause and think what I'm going to say. The key, besides the filling of the Holy Spirit, and besides the Word of God, the key is giving them time to work. Sometimes you need to hit the pause button. Sometimes we need to think before we speak. And frankly, if it's not nice, you probably don't need to say it. Yes, Lord, I know. No foul language, no harmful, no unwholesome. Discover the power of pause. Just stop. And again, I believe, I, one of my brothers saying, he's talking about God, and I said, I believe God does that kind of stuff. I believe you can specifically pray, God, you know this is, he's preaching to me today, God. Help me discover the power of pause. And don't be surprised when you're fixing to let it go, you find yourself pausing. And God's giving you that moment to let him work. Not you work, him work in your life. Let no foul language, no unwholesomeness, no harmful language come out of your mouth. But only what is good. Only what is good. What does good mean? Good. But only what is good for the building up of someone in need. We are to be builder uppers, not terror downers. And I'm telling you, in our marriages, in our parental relationships... Church relationships, work relationships. If we're not careful, we will be in the demolition business instead of the construction business. Man, build up one another. So that it gives what? Grace. Graciousness. Unmerited favor to those who hear. This is good. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. I want you to get this. Look. What grieves the Holy Spirit? No foul language is to come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need. So it gives grace to the hearer. Not doing that grieves the Holy Spirit. Now I'm telling you, if God let Paul put that in the Word of God, it must be important. And every once in a while I like to say, uh, you may have received a text from me, and I said something like this, God is smiling. And somebody would go, God doesn't smile. You know what that word grieve means in the Greek? To sadden. I don't know if God the Father smiles, but the Holy Spirit has emotion. Because it says, don't sadden the Holy Spirit. And I have a feeling if we can sadden him, we can make him smile. Don't sadden. And Paul says, you want a reason why? You know, it's kind of like going back to what David, what I said David said. You know, we talked about if, all, if our salvation was all we had, it would be enough. Look what he says. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Think what he's done for you. He was the sealing agent. He was the super glue. He done, he sealed the deal. He has sealed you until the day of redemption. Now, verse 31. All bitterness, how much? All bitterness, all anger, wrath, shouting, slander must be removed from you. Must be removed from you along 
with all malice. And the man, the woman, the child who is a believer in Christ, who is filled with the Spirit and enriched with this Word, those things have no spot. In fact, they have no spot in any believer. So if you find yourself with bitterness, and you find yourself angry, you find yourself wrath, you find yourself shouting, and that doesn't mean like I'm teaching, it means like shouting at people, slander, malice. Those are all indicators, not of a mouth problem, a heart problem. Surrender your heart. The Word of God dwells. Yield, dwell. Yield, dwell. It's huge. It's huge. This would change. I've asked every week, how would it be if your eyes saw? How would it be if your ears heard? How would it be if your mind thought? How would it be? How would, it be? How would our speech be different in our homes? How would our speech be different in church if we yielded to the Spirit and truly was filled with the Word of God? How would it be different? It would be huge. It would be huge. And based on what I've heard Jesus say over and over again, the world will know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. The last command I give you is love one another. I'm telling you, when we slay each other with our tongues, that's not a sign of love. Not a sign of love. Now, he, he closes, Paul closes now with, and with one more just huge thought about our unbelieving friends. We find this in Colossians in chapter 4, verses 5 and 6, the top of the sermon sheet on the second page. Walk in wisdom. Wisdom is the ability to understand. So walk in the ability to understand toward those who are on the outside. In other words, as followers of Christ, we need to have an understanding of the lost man. We get so angry at them... For acting lost. Can I say that one more time? I don't think you got it. We get so angry at them for acting lost. When you watch the evening news and you go, Y'all are half mad at Congress and I don't blame you. But you understand, everybody in Congress is not a believer. Can I have an amen? We think because they're in Congress, they're always going to do the right thing. They act like lost men and women. So understand the fact that they are lost. Redeeming the time, seizing the opportunity. Don't miss an opportunity. So, so understand those who are on the outside, those who are lost, the fact that they are lost. Seize every opportunity to do what? Let your speech always be with what? Grace. With grace. Seasoned with salt. There's your hog job. There's that season that makes the green beans so good. There's that filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Word. It seasons our speech with salt and with grace. You know what grace is. Grace is God's unmerited favor. And some translations simply change. I guess, when, oh, Miranda, are you in here? I don't know if she is or not, but I'm fixing to say something to adverb. I don't know if it is or not. She's an English teacher. Graciousness or graciously. You let me know what part of speech that is later. But, but if you want a noun, it's grace, but, but graciously. Let your, learn to speak graciously to the lost man. And season with salt. Salt preserves, but salt flavors. In other words, when the world hears us talk, we talk differently. Not the choice of the words as much as the attitude of the words. The attitude of our hearts. 
You are not going to win your neighbor by being harsh toward him. I know. (laughs) It's time for true confession. True confessions of the pastor. (laughs) So our neighbors are remodeling their house. And uh, one morning, the contractor, who I happen to know a little bit, pulled in my driveway. And he just pulled my driveway. He angled all the way across my driveway. I said, that's cool. It's cool, man. It's cool. No deal. About 20 minutes later, it's time to go to the office. About this time, Sandy's going, where's the preacher at? So I waited a few more minutes. Better. The dude has parked his truck in my driveway all the way across. Oh, did I mention it was raining? Uh-huh. So I go over there to the back door. <coughs> no one comes to the door. About now I'm getting fired up. It's raining. Do I have an umbrella? No. I'm bound to determine someone's going to come to that door. If I hit it loud enough, they'll come. Build it, they will come. If I bang loud enough, they'll come. They didn't come. I go to the front door. No one came to the door. Well, this went on for about, about... I went back in the house. And again, I really need to go. So I come back out and I'm going, what am I going to do, Judy? So the, a dude pulls up. I said, dude! Whose truck is that? That's... And he said his name. Remember, I know him a little bit. I said, well, tell to get his truck out of my driveway. He ran out of the house and got in his truck and left. Now, he needed to move his truck, but that was not seasoned with grace. Ever had an instance like that? Yeah. I don't know if Kyle... I don't know if the dude's a believer or not. Probably not. But you'll never win him, Dwayne, like that. You've got to be careful. Be careful. See, James spent a whole lot of time talking about the tongue, and we're done. Talking about the tongue and the power to for great good or great bad. And we've got to be careful. By the way, since then I've been a waving fool. Hey, how y'all doing? I love you. I like you. I've been waving fool, man. At least I learn, <laughs> you know. So I'm gonna ask you a question. You know, how's your heart? How's your heart? Because see, this is just an indicator. This is like a hurting arm or a bad neck or, or, you know, indigestion. How's your heart? Two closing thoughts. Don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Embrace the Word of God. Now, again, you know the cool part of all this? That word yield, be filled, that term yield, part of the definition of the Greek is let it happen. That's the definition of surrender. It's not like you've got to go, oh, oh, I can do it, I can surrender, I can surrender. Just say, God, it's yours. Yield, filled, surrender. Embrace the word of God. Make it a part of your daily routine.
Make it part of your time. Guys, if you drive to work, you got a 20-minute drive, turn on the Word of God. Get you one of those tapes or CDs or MP3 players and listen to the Word. Ingrain it in our lives. And here's the best part. It's going to change us. Because when this changes, your marriage gets better. Your wife might go, what in the world happened to him? You're going to be a better parent, and you're going to have better parent-child relationships. You're going to have a better work relationship. In fact, your whole world will be better. And all we have to do is surrender. Surrender. So I hope today your take-home will be, I'm done with canned green beans. For me, it's green beans and fat back. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the privilege of sharing this. And God, I'm, I'm almost grateful that I could be sitting in one of those blue chairs and know you spoke to me today. Oh, God, I want to pray in Jesus' name for the powerful victory that you want us to experience in this. Father, I pray for every heart here that it will be surrendered and filled with the Holy Spirit. That we will yield. And that there's a Bacchus in our life. That we'll put that Bacchus aside. No matter how good it seems. Because good never trumps the best. And you are the best. So I pray for every heart to be filled. I pray, Father, for every life to be enriched with the word of God. That the word of Christ, these words that are spirit in our life, may dwell in us lavishly and richly. And we can't wait to see the change that you work in our lives. Thank you that we're slowly learning it's not us. It can't be us. It never was about us. It is about you and you working in our lives. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.